That's it? Oh, okay. I thought it was on, on topic. Um, it's always nice to see my surname spelled correctly, less nice to see my first name misspelled. Um, so that's me, Franz Krug. I'm the director of the, of the Radio Academy, and it falls to me to welcome you very warmly um, on this very cold Johannesburg day to um, this, I don't know whether it's the first day of the pre-day of Radio Days Africa. Um, the conference is, is now in its ninth edition, um, and it has always, um, up until now, been two and a half days. Um, and this year we have an extra day, um, this with one stream, this one here, dedicated to DAB, um, and the other one uh, across the way dedicated to some programming issues. So we're very grateful to our partners on this, um, particularly in this context. Grateful to Lynn um, from uh, Sadiba, to World DAB, and particularly to Centec, uh, who have made this extra focus on um, DAB possible as a, in, in the context of this conference. Um, South Africa has been a little bit behind, quite a lot behind, in the digital broadcasting arena. Um, and particularly, there have been huge snarl-ups with DTT, digital television, as you know. And in some senses, it's pushed us back, I think, with regard to the possibilities for radio. Um, and it's going to be very interesting, I think, today to hear uh, international experience um, uh, uh, from various countries who really have gone further down the road um, so that you know, we can see where we're going with it all. So with those few words, a warm welcome to you all. Um, we hope we warm up the room, not just with the heaters, but also with the discussion. A particularly warm welcome to our international guests from various countries, Holland, um, uh, Australia, and various other places. Uh, you're really very welcome. Unfortunately, um, Centec, the Centec representative is not quite here yet, um, and we will accommodate him as soon as he, as he, as he is. Um, and so we will go directly into the next, um, the first, the, the, the next presentation on the program, which is from ICASA, the regulator. Um, so I'm going to invite um, Dimakatsu Kotre, if I'm saying that correctly, um, up, who will come and talk to us about from a regulatory perspective. Thanks very much. Franz, uh, just like you, I also have dif difficulty with my name being pronounced. You're not the only one. <laughs> so, uh, good morning, everybody, ladies and gentlemen. To this very cold morning in, in Johannesburg, I was asking whether is it that we picked the weather or did the weather pick us? And I, the answer that I got was that the weather picked, that picked us. So, my role this morning is just to speak about the regulatory framework as well as the policy framework. And to the South African counterparts that are in the room, there's nothing new, in fact, to say. Uh, because nothing much has happened. Um, I would first of all like to thank the organizers of, of Radio Days Africa Conference, and more particularly the World DAB Day organizers, for affording us an opportunity to come and speak about the regulatory framework in as far as digital radio is concerned in South Africa. As I have been, as I have been introduced already, my name is Dima Gazzo. I'm a councillor at the Independent Communications Authority of South Africa, commonly known as ICASA. I also chair um, a council committee that is responsible 
for the rollout of uh, the regulatory framework for digital radio at, at Council. By way of introduction and for the purposes of, of our international counterparts, ICASA is a statutory body that, has, that derives its mandate from the ICASA Act. We regulate the telecommunications, broadcasting and postal industries. We regulate in the, interest of, of the, in the public interest. We ensure affordable services of a high quality for all South Africans. We issue licenses to telecommunication broadcasting services. We enforce compliance with regulations. We protect consumers from unfair business practices and poor quality of services. And we also decide an, on disputes and complaints brought to, uh, to, to the authority against licensees. And most importantly, we manage the effective uh, use of the radio, radio frequency spectrum, which is this issue for today's discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, since the inception of, the, of democracy, ICASA has licensed about 27 commercial radio sound uh, broadcasting services. We have licensed 15 public service uh, sound broadcasting services and in the region of 271 community broadcasting services. Like most countries, South Africa has experienced spectrum scarcity challenges. And in order to mitigate this global phenomenon, and with a view to revisiting our regulatory framework, we published a moratorium on the licensing of community sound broadcasting services on the 87.5 to the 108 MHz frequency band. We have further decided, well, by default maybe, not to issue any invitations to apply because in order for a commercial broadcasting services to be licensed, we issue what we call an invitation to apply. We have not issued any ITAs in as far as um, sound broadcasting services are concerned in the primary markets, but we have, since to, as far back as 2016, licensed uh, commercial broadcasting services in the, um, in the secondary markets. And I would like to say to you that this development, amongst others, highlights the need for an alternative sound broadcasting service system. As we know, South Africa is bound by the RRC06, which resolved to switch from analog to digital sound broadcastings by the, by the 17th June 2015. Of course, the country has moved, uh, has failed to deliver on this mandate, but that's a discussion for another day. This agreement prompted the publication of what we call the Broadcasting Digital Migration Policy, which was published by the Department of Communications in 2006, or 2006 already. And the policy sets out the parameters in migrating the country's television sound bro and broadcasting format from an analog, analog to a digital broadcasting. This migration process will allow the freeing up of the much needed spectrum to be utilized for digital sound broadcasting amongst other users. However, this policy did not make any provision for sound broadcasting services. Therefore, in order to bridge the gap, the Department of Communications, as we hear, is set to publish what we call a policy directive on digital broadcasting sound services. What happens is the policy maker, the department, will then issue a policy directive which will direct ICASA as to how to license or even deal with uh, any policy issue, in this instance being uh, sound broadcasting uh, services. The authority has been working collaboratively with the department to ensure alignment with our process that is underway and what the department is also envisaging to issue as a policy directive.
As we know, digital sound broadcasting is an audio broadcasting technology intended to deliver, to deliver superior quality sound using digital communications technology. It is a new digital signal delivery system of delivering sound and data in all its forms. Flowing, flowing from the Geneva 2006 plan that made provision for a TDAP network within the 214 to 230 megahertz band, the authority has in its 2013 National Radio Frequency Plan, as well as its newly published uh, plan of 2018, we made allocations for digital sound broadcasting. These allocations have been harmonized with neighboring countries, including those in the SADC region. We have subsequently published what we call a discussion document that was on the 29th of March 2018. The intention of, of publishing the discussion document was to solicit views from interested parties, which include broadcasters, manufacturers, signal distributors and consumers, about the prospects of implementing digital sound broadcasting services in the country and how digital sound broadcasting services can improve radio frequency spectrum efficiency and management. This is done with the view of formulating a regulatory framework for digital sound broadcasting services in the country. Most of uh, the people sitting in this room, the, the broadcasters, the radio sound broadcasters, I mean sound broadcasters have made their written inputs into the process. And the closing date for the, um, for the, for the discussion, for written inputs on the discussion document was the 5th of May of June this year. We have scheduled oral hearings over a period of three days, starting on the 11th of July, ending on, on the 13th of July. And we aim to publish a digital a, a, a position paper out of this process, and we're hoping that by, the, by this financial year, the current financial year, we should have done this. And we will also publish regulations that will formulate a regulatory framework for digital sound broadcasting. The discussion document was, in, was informed by, des, by desktop research, as well as study tour visits to, amongst others, the USA, the UK, Germany, and Norway. Our studies revealed that projects of this magnitude need to be driven by all parties involved, namely regulators, policymakers, manufacturers, as well as consumers. The most successful key driver for the adoption of digital sound broadcasting being the availability of the technology in, in cars. Guided by the current regulatory framework, ICASA has also granted several trial licenses to be conducted in the country on different, on on different uh, digital sound broadcasting technologies. And we have uh, licensed the testing of DAB+, DRM+, uh, plus, as well as DRM30. The DRM trial is a collaborative effort between Centex, Sadiba, as well as the NAB, and the SABC assisted by applying for the trial license for ICASA, from ICASA on behalf of all the trial players. The trial network makes provision for the broadcasters and, and listeners to consider the cap capabilities of the digital future. The trials were, tri were conducted in three power modes, namely the 2 kilowatts, 5 kilowatts, as well as the 10 kilowatts, with the licensees providing results to the authority on a regular basis. On the other hand, the DRM trials were conducted by Radio Pulpit with the support of Centec as well, while the DRM Plus trials, I mean 30, 
are contact, conducted by Broadcom International. Two modulation schemes, namely the 16 QAM and 64 QAM, were used in the trials and performance trial results of these were compared. DRM plus 30, DRM 30 indicated improved spectrum usage and satisfied the requirements for a large signal coverage area and signal penetration. Without a doubt, ladies and gentlemen, radio is still the most consumed medium of, medium of education, entertainment, and information. Furthermore, with the introduction of new devices used as radio receivers, radio listening trends are evolving. According to the REMS uh, 2018, uh, May 2018 release, it shows that at least 73% of listeners are still re receiving radio from traditional radio listening, while 36% is via mobile ra devices, 25% through ra radio cars, and 12% of, of, of listeners is via, listenership is via television, while 3% is via computers. It is therefore very important that new and more spectrum-efficient digital technologies be considered to accommodate more broadcasters in frequency bands such as the 240 kilo, I mean, megahertz frequency band that has been allocated to digital sound broadcasting. The authority is therefore very encouraged and excited about these times, and we are encouraged by the interest shown in, in our discussion document, and we look forward to engaging with stakeholders in our forthcoming oral hearings and any other public consultative processes that, that will ensue thereafter. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, hard ones then. <laughs> Who wants to break the ice? Yes. Yeah, Hank. I'm Hendrik from KSA Radio. We're an online radio station. My question is, do you have any idea of the time frames, how long these processes will take? We try to apply for a license. We were told there's a moratorium. We can't get one. And obviously, we can't move forward with our station. So we're stuck on the internet with a very small audience, and we need to reach the whole of the country. So any ideas to time frames? Uh, time frames for community or commercial or, or the entire digital broadcasting process? Community, a community of interest radio station. Uh, community of interest. So, yes. so in as far as community is concerned, we have we were in the process of formulating a regulate, reviewing the regulatory framework for community broadcasting, and once that is done, then we will most likely uplift the the moratorium, and you're ex anticipating that at least by the end of the the current financial year, next year March, then we could be able to to have a pronouncement on, on the moratorium. But in as far as the entire DSB process is concerned, we are also looking at the end, the end of the financial year next year. But you must also be aware that we need to be guided by policy. Other proponents will tell you that there's no need to have a policy in place for the regulator to proceed. Others will say, well, you need to have a policy in place. But we're playing it safe, as I said. We are working collaboratively with the Department of Communications to ensure that at least there is a little bit of some alignment to avoid any... A protracted processes that will lead to the alignment in the event that um, two pro the two processes are completed. Thanks. Another easy or difficult question? Mm -hmm. Yes, Andrew. Uh, get the mic. Uh, it's uh, Andrew, Jack Randa, and Kahisa Media. Um, Dimakasa, as you mentioned, well, 
what sort of uh, holds the whole process is the DTT migration in television. Mm. Um, and as you've mentioned, and as we're quite aware that, you know, that's fraught with difficulty at the moment, be it a distribution of decoders, a whole lot of things. Um, what, what is your, 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 your sense? What, what would be the catalyst to get that moving? And do you think that, you know, private industry have a, have a role to play in, uh, in, in assisting or, you know, Mm. Um, from the regulator's point of view, I think we are ready because we've got the necessary regulations. And I think um, going back to the issue as to whether is it a matter of policy first and regulations thereafter, because we know that the policy process has, was a bit hamstrung by, by the legal suits and everything that were going on. But we know that now there is policy certainty in as far as the judgments that were delivered. But we've also had the Department of Communications, the minister, is, seems to be moving quite ahead because she has already appointed um, a project lead for, for DTT. And you're correct, there is a role for, for, for the sector to play because it's not just the role of the policymaker or the regulator, but the players are the ones, the, 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 the licensees are the ones who can make the entire process a reality. So once digital migration then moves on, then we are likely to have a lot of spectrum that will be freed up, which will also allow a, mara a variety of uh, DSB services that can be deployed on the, on the, on the spectrum that will be relinquished. Good morning, Councillor. It's Zolima Pipa. I just want to know what's, it's, it's actually a follow-up to, to that question by Andrew. What's the impact of the W illumination of television on the introduction of uh, uh, digital sound broadcasting? Well, there are more technical people in the room than I, but um, my understanding is the fact that yes, dual illumination, the shorter it is, the much, the, the, the shorter it is, the more convenient it will be for more services to be deployed. Because my understanding with dual illumination is you'll also need to move um, to do what they call restacking. So you will still have a whole chunk of spectrum being occupied by, by the incumbent broad, uh, television broadcasters before they can relinquish the required spectrum. So I think the deployment of DSB is still highly dependent on the full migration of television uh, broadcasting services. Which suggests that there is going to be quite a big delay because of that. Um, unfortunately, so, and I think the benefit, uh, France, with, with radio is the fact that there isn't that much of a hurry like there was with television where there is a defined a switch of date. And I've seen other countries, they've decided to have an end date. And for South Africa, it's still a policy decision as to whether will we have an end date or will we have both services running parallel whether we can have DSB running parallel with FM, because the quality of FM is still very good. It's just a matter of us having run out of, of spectrum to, to license more FM services. So I think also the consumer take-up will also be the determining factor for, you know, for, for whether or not the country decides to switch off FM. Okay, any other questions? One right at the back. And another one at the back. Should we take those two while the microphone is there and then there's another one in front? Let's Hello. take, if, yeah, 
Please hear that one. Hi, good morning. My name is Dennis Harold. I'm from SABC. Um, Dimaketso, thanks for your presentation. Um, just my question in terms of DAB Plus. Um, you had mentioned, um, you know, one of the, the requirements being the receivers. Mm -hmm. And, for example, having uh, DAB Plus receivers in cars, just as an example. What is the role of ICASA with regards to standards? Mm -hmm. And does ICASA have a relationship with the South African Bureau of Standards? Um, because obviously you might, you can have a transmission infrastructure, but if, you, if, if, if the, the uh, listeners do not have the devices, mm. it's pretty pointless. And let's have the second question from the back there. Hi, I'm, I'm Lynn Joffe from Creatrix. We're vernacular content provider, so please excuse the ignorance of this question. Um, I understand that broadcast has to be regulated like the airwaves, but in, in light of the fact that there aren't um, tenders or, or, or applications being accepted and people are moving to digital, do you see a future where the convergence will necessitate your regulating the digital realm as well as in the internet? And is that part of your scope? Thanks. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, does ICASA have a relationship with, um, with South African Standards, um, SABS? Yes, we do have. Uh, we do sit as well in some of their committees for, for standards determination. But as I said, uh, the availability of end-user equipment should actually be the driving force. So if the, 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 the end-user equipment is still expensive, it's quite unlikely. Of, it might actually be a very difficult uh, process for, for, for the country to move to, to digital migration. But we've seen that um, in other cars, we are already beginning to see um, digital radio, the availability of digital radio, radio deceiving, um, devices. So I believe that there is room in as far as cars are concerned and the rollout thereof. And with regards to the ICASA regulating uh, the internet, we do not regulate, currently we do not regulate uh, online radios. And um, in as far as whether will there be an appetite or whether will there be any shift going forward, it's yet again a policy decision. It's yet again to be determined by the policymaker whether we should. Because, I mean, even with the issue of OTTs, there was a concern as to whether should ICASA be playing a role to regulate uh, the area of OTTs. And the decision that we've taken as authority is we are going to adopt a wait and see, and then we will then, you know, make our views as, as time goes. Okay, there's one more here. Yeah. I'm Jacqueline from um, World DAB and Digital Radio Netherlands and Digital Radio Flanders. I have a question on the band. Band three, mm -hmm. is, the, um, is the, the capacity you make available available on band three? Or do I understand correctly that it's a band above band three? Because it has to do with the equipment, the question that I was asked earlier, because uh -huh. the, the, the equipment in cars is indeed equipped with DAB, for example, reception mm -hmm. throughout Europe. It's improving and it's getting improved, mm -hmm. but it's based on band three. So I was, I don't know if I understand it correctly, if it's band three. Um, I would like to believe that it is band three. So yes, we, and we've already tested because the, the, the players, the, the, the trialists have already tested the technology as well in the South African cars 
I think it was BMW and other high-end uh, market cars, and we've been the, the trials were successful in that regard. Mm. Okay, there was a question over there. Thank you. My name is um, Frank from SABC. Um, Councillor, thanks for your presentation. Um, you know, we have only Channel 13F available currently as we speak in Band 3. And the spectrum will only be available after analog switch off and migration of D DTT out of the band. Um, we don't know when analog will be switched off for TV and, and migrate from band three. Councillor, I just want to suggest that maybe CASA should consider licensing um, using channel 13F only to license um, the current players of, of, of DAB Plus. Mm. And, then, and then after um, DTT has migrated, then they will consider licensing the rest um, incumbents. I mean, new, new entrants as well. Um, that is just my suggestion. Thank you. Thank you, SABC. Come to the hearings on the 11th to the 13th, and you'll make your point. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Have we exhausted the questions? Is there anything else pressing? Okay. Let us draw that to the close then. Thanks very much, Timakasa. That was most interesting. And thanks for staying on for a few questions. I hope they weren't too difficult. Thank you, Franz. <laughs> Let's give it a round of applause.